your home of the pins and the best pins covering. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Eighty-four lumber helping you build the right way since nineteen fifty-six. Giving you the Mark Madden show today. Tim Ben's with you for Mark here in the four o'clock hour. I just saw that Tony Bennett was named the ace, not the ACC, but the National Coach of the Year. Tony Bennett of the University of Virginia gets the Coach of the Year award in a year where his team becomes the first ever one seed to lose to a number sixteen seed. How about that? What's next? Hugh Jackson becomes NFL Coach of the Year. Is that how it works? Kevin Stallings gets ACC Coach of the Year, maybe. We'll get back to college basketball. Like I said, I think there's a little bit more on the bone there with this conversation about players going to the G League. Uh, Lucas Kisunas, the number 13 center in the 2018 draft class, announced on Twitter this morning that he's backing off his commitment from UConn. So he'll be doing the same thing, it looks like. Yeah, chaotic times in college basketball, to be sure. So chaotic, Pitt got themselves a good coach. Who knew? I want to get to that Mike Rupp cut that I mentioned to Josh Yoey. If you folks missed this yesterday, here's what Rupper had to say to us about some ideas that he's got to make the Penguins' defense better. Mike, if you are replacing Mike Sullivan then against the New Jersey Devils, who are your six that you dress and how do you pair them up? My six, my six that I would go with, uh, I'd, I'd pull Chris Latang aside and I'd say, uh, Tanger, you're, you're our anchor guy back here. You've got to be our bestie on both sides of the puck. Therefore, we're going to put you with someone who we need you to make them better. So I would stick Justin Schultz with Ryan Dumoulin probably, um, and take a, a Chris Latang, whether that's with, with, uh, Alexiak or, I mean, honestly, I'd like to even see what a Hunwick would do with him, just to see. I mean, that's a lot of minutes, so you, that guy's probably not going to play, but let's see if he can handle it. He's a pro, and he's he's been pretty valuable, Matt Hunwick, in his career when he was with the New York Rangers. Um, they had a year there where their team was really struggling defensively, and he was one of the better ones, to be honest, and uh, he had some uh, some good time in, in Toronto. I think he has the, the headspace to handle uh, a little bit more, see if he can handle it. Um, you know, I, I, I just... Uh, uh, I think that you need to shake it up, and most importantly, uh, I think this is the time where you lean, lean on Chris Letang and, and say, hey, bud, this is this is your decor. You need to take it. So you're saying then you would put Hunwick back in, have him with Letang, Dumoulin with Schultz would be the other pair that you referenced before, thus leaving Mata with Alexiak? No, uh, it would be Schultz, Dumoulin, um, Alexiak, Letang, and Hunwick, Mata. Woo! If the answers are putting Hunwick back in, how big are the questions? 412-333-9939. When I ran that by Josh Yoey, he had the same response that I did. Everybody likes Mike Rupp and values his opinion. We were just on the same page here that we disagree with his opinion. I don't think Hunwick coming in helps, and I don't think just saying to Chris Letang, hey, you got to play better, is necessarily going to make it happen to the point that you want to restructure your blue line for the assumption that it will. So I would disagree with Mike on that, but I'll take your thoughts on it. For all the things that have gone wrong with the Penguins defensively, I don't think you can pin it uh, as much on you know the one guy that has to come out as Chad Ruedel. I was not anticipating much out of Chad Ruedel, but what I saw from 
Matt Hunwick, I thought it was worth putting him back in, and I haven't seen enough from Ruedel negatively to make me think that he's got to go away and Hunwick needs to come back in and things are going to get better. I just don't see that being the case. So, Penguin fans, we can continue talking about the state of the Pens and uh, their defense and the woes that they've had defense. It's not just on the blue line, too. It's the forwards coming back. And like we said before, it's Matt Murray and his glove hand. It's the PK overall. It's not just the blue line, although they are culpable for some of the problems that have taken place. You can also tweet me at Tim Benz PGH. Another interesting cut that I wanted to play here. This one from Kevin Colbert on a topic that we talked about yesterday. If you weren't listening yesterday, Le'Veon Bell says that he wants $17 million average annual value a year now. That's not from him. That was reported by the NFL Network and Aditi Kinkabwala. But that was what she said yesterday, and that's asinine. I'll say her report is, I would believe anything that anybody says about Lev Bell at this point because everything he says contradicts the previous thing he says. Previously, he said he wanted $14.5 million a year because, well, that's the franchise tag, so if I'm worth it this year, then I should be worth it over the life of my contract. Well, that's not how it works, Lev. You should understand that, but if you don't, you should definitely understand that the money that you're getting is better in a guarantee than it is on the average annual value. The average annual value can fluctuate, change, and can disappear. Take the guaranteed money. It's why you said no to the deal last year, allegedly. Why are you changing your mind now? So yesterday, Colbert's on with Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, and they bring up the Lev Bell situation. Do you see a set of circumstances this year where you would maybe consider rescinding the franchise tender? No. I, again, I always say that, of course, it's a possibility, but not a probability. We wouldn't have tagged them if we ever felt that. Uh, right now, we know that um, Le'Veon will play for us in 2018 if he plays anywhere. So uh, that's, that, that part would never be, I wouldn't say never because... You know, you can always, something crazy can always happen, but that wouldn't be a probability. You said if he plays anywhere, and it makes me wonder, are you worried that there's a chance <laughs> no, you're just not going to see him? No, I mean, he'll be a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2018. Um, again, unless he did something that he didn't do last year, I think we can assume that, you know, when he decides to, if he doesn't, we don't get a long-term deal done, he'll show up and he'll be ready, as ready as he can be. But again, ideally, we'd love to have him there for training camp, not only for himself, but for the rest of the team. Okay. I'm going to ask this very simply. Are the Steelers working too hard to try to keep Le'Veon Bell? Are they going to too great of an extreme? As if, for instance, when you hear that instead of trying to really find his way to the middle ground and sign a contract that will keep him here, he is now upping his demands is it at the point now where you would just say, I would prefer to try to trade him? Because here, I'll give you an example. Here's news that came out uh, early this morning. New York Giants have asked for at least two first-round draft choices in return for Odell Beckham Jr. The league source tells ESPN's Adam Schefter, even though the team insists it's not shopping the three-time Pro Bowl receiver. Now, I don't know if that means that somebody came to them, they said, okay, for two first-rounders, we'll do it. Or I don't know how you ask and then say you're not shopping. But General Manager Dave Gettleman said on Tuesday, addressing speculation about Beckham, refusing to directly say that Beckham wasn't available in a trade, but also repeating, you don't quit on talent, a phrase his mentor, Ernie Accorsi, had taught him. Two reports, one by the NFL Network, said that Beckham would not take the field this year without an extension to his contract. Another by the Daily News says that the Rams were pursuing a trade for Beckham. 
Yeah, I'd trade Le'Veon Bell for two first-round draft choices. Yes, I would. I would prefer, though, anything short of that for him to be a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2018. I think he's a crucial component to them winning the Super Bowl this year, if it's going to happen. I don't see them winning a Super Bowl without him and going back by committee. I'm I'm not that much of a believer in that. But if a team blows your doors off, and it gives you an offer you aren't anticipating, if it is two first-round draft choices or something akin to that, something similar to what the Giants are asking for for OBJ, I'm starting to listen because if he's nuts enough to say 14.5 isn't enough, 14.5 is what it should be over a long-term deal. Nah, screw that. Let's make it 17.5. He's not rational enough to maybe even come into camp and play the full 16. He might just be dumb enough to sit out. I didn't think Bell was dumb enough to sit out. What I've been hearing this offseason is starting to make me think he might sit out until Week 10. So I would start to entertain trade opportunities more than I would have. But I think what we're seeing here is, you know, whether it's Richard Sherman in Seattle whether it's Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, whether apparently it's OBJ in New York after the video of him in the bed with the what appeared to be pot and cocaine and pizza, which is not on the Tom Brady diet. Teams are just, they've had enough. Enough. You know, Bob McNair got in trouble for the whole prisoners running the asylum thing. Probably should have said inmates running the asylum. I, I get it, but is he wrong? Obviously, teams are lashing back at this and saying, enough. We got to have control here a little bit more. And of all teams, the Steelers are chief among that. Because they've got a lot of personalities they got to deal with, as we well know. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Tim, who's calling from Carnegie on the Pens first. Hi, Tim. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Big fan. Big fan. Thanks. Hey, what did you think about the Pens neutral zone play? Didn't like it. Didn't like you talking about last game? Last game out against Detroit? Just like the past ten. Uh, past ten. Uh like past the nine. One where they're four for four. Yeah, past past nine where they are four of their last nine. Uh they're four and five overall, if you take away the loser points. It hasn't been good. Uh, I don't think their neutral zone play has been good. I don't think their wall play has been good. I think their defensive zone coverage in general is terrible. I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing so many defensemen scoring goals they're just they're puck watching uh whether it's coming out of the neutral zone or how they're handling the puck coming in through the neutral zone once it gets into the offensive end they're leaving wide open alleys and opportunities for defensemen to step into shots and that's why you're seeing matt murray is tested as much as he has been how about you no i completely agree with that my other thing was come playoff time do you think they're gonna have seven defensemen in the lineup i think if they had seven defensemen on the ice at the same time i don't know if it would help uh, no, no, I don't think that. I don't see the benefit of having one extra not good defenseman as opposed to taking off one more quality winger, potentially. Like, if they're all healthy, if Broussard comes back healthy, as a for instance, you might have to bench a winger of some repute, a winger of some quality. So I, I don't bench someone like that for a defenseman, one of six, mainly the bottom two being Ruedel and Hunwick, like, how are they benefited by dressing one one other extra bad defenseman? I, I don't get that line of thinking. 412-333-9939. Okay, when we come back, 
Uh, stick around because I, I want to reset what we were talking about before about the uh, college basketball thing, about players going pro right away. And on top of that, I also want to get back into our conversation because a lot of people called in about the uh, new helmet rule in football and how I think it's being completely misrepresented as player safety. It's not player safety. It's owner safety. The owners are looking out for themselves, and they're not looking out for you, the fan. We talk about that next here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. A lot of funny stuff has no taste. Like, for example, this show. I just wanted to say how funny that was. Now I'm going to cut you off before you can make a joke. The X at 105.9. Great news for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They didn't lose on opening day. They got rained out, but hey, I consider that a win. John Parado joins us to talk about it in just a little bit here on 105.9 The X. Here's a quote on Twitter from Darius Basley. He's the kid that decommitted from Syracuse to go play in the G League, one of two to do it today, so that trend is starting. I can't believe it's taken this long. Quote, someone has to start the fire, and I believe I'm going to do that. Look, I don't think it's worthwhile pushing kids into college basketball for one year just for the sake of continuing to play to have the opportunity to go to the pros, I think it's stupid. Uh, If you want to go play in Europe, go play in Europe. If you want to go play in the G League, go play in the G League. I think in the interest of best protecting college basketball, though, if you're someone that doesn't think you're going to get drafted in the first two rounds, the first round, actually, and you want to get a college education and you want to go play basketball against high-level competition, then go. But then it should be one of these deals where it's like if you commit to playing in college and you start playing as a freshman, then you can't be drafted by the NBA until your junior year. And I think some of this has hurt the NBA, too. I do. People out there, you can could, you could agree or disagree with me on this. I know this isn't a huge NBA market by any stretch of the imagination, but you know there are college basketball fans still out there. Hopefully some of you have been rejuvenated by the hire that Pitt just made in Jeff Capel. I think you should be. But the point that I'm getting at is, I feel even less connection to the NBA than I did before because the college kids that I liked and saw, you know, through my Big East years, growing up in Big East country, going to a Big East school, having been a Pitt fan early in life, I don't recognize these guys when they get on teams, right? I'd have no frame of reference for who they are or how good they can be or what they are when they get to the NBA as rookies. You know, and plus, the, the, that talent pool is diluted anyway by all of the European influence that comes over in the first place. It's not just helping college basketball, is my point. It would help pro basketball, too. Because some of these teams are drafting guys, stashing them for a couple years, no plans on ever playing them, and then discarding them. Or they have to play them too early because they've invested some money in them in first-round cachet, and they're out there, and they don't belong there because they drafted them in 19, and they had no idea what they were getting into. So yeah, go play in the pros, and you have a better sense if they're really worth being drafted because you played in the pros. That's what I think. 412-333-9939. Also want to hear from people on the Penguins. And uh, the news that came out well, yesterday, we talked about it at great length earlier in the program. Uh, I just It's not right what the National Football League is doing with this helmet rule. It's, it's not right. This isn't about protecting the players. This is about protecting the owners from future lawsuits. And uh, I think they're ruining the game. Uh, this thing about, well, I guess just kickoffs have to go away. Why? Why do kickoffs have to go away? Oh, my God, there's more concussions. Of course there's more concussions. You're doing a better job of diagnosing them. I thought that was the point. I thought the deal was we were hiding concussions before. Now what, we're going to penalize the game because we're doing a better job of diagnosing them? It's counterintuitive. Enough. It's got to stop. It, it's not okay to just accept this. So call in on that too, 
888-900-3393-99-39. Big Z calling from Fox Chapel. Go ahead, Big Z. You are on 105.9 The X. Let's try that again. Big Z, you're on. Hey, hey Tim. How are you? Good. Good. Um, so I just wanted to talk about, you know, the notion of maybe scratching Rue Weedle, inserting Hunwick, and the reason I would do it, not that one player is better than the other, but in the last five games in which the Pens are two and three, Rue Weedle has five shots on net, is a minus one with no goals, no assists, 41 blocked shots in the year. And the reason being is that, seeing that we're playing potentially for a playoff spot down the stretch here, when teams are going through a rough time, even in playoff series, sometimes taking out one guy and inserting another guy can be a boost for the team. Since we're basically in a playoff-type situation, I don't see the downside in it when you're on a 2-3 and three slide and you're trying to slip into the playoffs. Well, I don't see the downside in it per se either because downside suggests that you're going to decrease all that much. Like you know, I, I don't see flip-flopping either one of those making them that much worse or making them that much better. I, I guess it could because Hunwick was like a human hand grenade out there for a while, but... You know, I guess you're, if, if they're relying on Chad Ruedel going out and Matt Hunwick coming in to jumpstart them to get them better and propel them toward the playoffs, Big Z, don't you think that's a huge ask of Matt Hunwick? I mean, th- I think then they're in greater dire straits than what we are giving them credit for if they need the seventh defenseman coming in to spark them. You know what I mean? Well, no, I know exactly what you mean, but that's the predicament we're in based on what we did at the deadline. We knew we were going to have seven defensemen you know, I mean, it's basically, as far as I'm concerned, the sixth defenseman, 1A, 1B. I mean, I'm just suggesting that a change of face in the lineup might be something. I'm not suggesting that, you know, it's going to work right away or it's going to work at all, but it's worth trying because I'll tell you, I mean, something needs to change coming down the stretch here. We're going to be looking at a very serious situation in terms of getting into the playoffs. And, you know, I know you and Mark have talked about it as well. I think it's something that you got to look to. I mean, we, we knew these were the defensemen we had to work with coming in. Obviously, we don't want to bring up someone from Wilkes because there's no one down there that I think can make any difference. But don't, don't you think it's on the forwards, too, though? I mean, I think it's on the forwards just as much. If you're talking about making personnel changes, I would tinker with the forwards and have them, uh, you know, change in and out because I think they've just been as abysmal as the defensemen have been when it comes to getting back through the neutral zone and back-checking. I think some of this blame should fall on them, too. And I think you have oh, more maneuverability absolutely. with the forwards. I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I would ask, you know, I mean, if you want to flip-flop, you want to bring Dominic Simon back in. Obviously, Joris got called up today. He'll be inserted in by way of the Broussard injury. And then, I don't know, what's your take on, and I know they're not big on him on his defense, but I'm looking at all the forwards right now and the way they're playing defense. Is Sprong someone you'd bring up? No, to I think, I think, and thanks for the call, but no. I think they are so paranoid of what Daniel Sprong is and they can't see what Daniel Sprong is. I think that's a problem, by the way. I think that they limit themselves in evaluating him because they see what he isn't as opposed to what he is, and I think that's going to stall his development big picture. But we're hunting too much. You know, If we're looking for Matt Hunwick to be a spark and change things around for the Penguins, then maybe the problems are greater than what we are acknowledging. That shouldn't be the case. 412 333 9939. You can also text at Tim Benz PGH. Oh, I forgot to bring this up. Um, I alluded to this earlier. Back to football for a second. When I was talking about Lamar Jackson and the Steelers going to look at him today, which they did, the Steelers evaluated him 
And I'm not, we talked about this, I'm not a fan of them, even though I'm a huge fan of Mason Rudolph. I do not want to see them take a quarterback in the first two rounds. Robert Kraft today acknowledged the prospect of the Patriots sometime soon taking a quarterback to replace Tom Brady. And it's one of these things, well, if that's good enough for the Patriots, should it be good enough for the Steelers? The only way that I would think that the Steelers would draft the quarterback this year in the first or second round with so many other needs apparent, so many other things that they need to address, like inside linebacker, further depth in the secondary, running back depth, I I would think that would be because they just don't trust what Ben Roethlisberger is going to do. And I think that's something that needs to be acknowledged. If they are really looking as hard as they want us to think that they're looking at these quarterbacks, like Mason Rudolph and Lamar Jackson, and really considering them after that first pack of quarterbacks goes, to me, that's probably because they're not so sure that Ben is really going to play three more years. Like, some of us wanted to dismiss that when he said, I might be done after 2017, and rightfully so, as it turned out to be the case, he wasn't done. I didn't believe it either, but boy, we we really want to believe he's going to play another three years. Like, that one got dangled out there. Marquise Pouncey put his, his name to that quote, and we just said, okay, that's Bible. He's playing another three years. But maybe the evaluation of the Steelers is suggesting that they are as dubious of that in a positive direction as they were doubting of him leaving in a negative direction after one more year. I think that's a real reason why they're looking as heartily as they are at these quarterbacks. They just might not believe that Ben truly does want to play the three years. It could also be evaluation down the line, and I think that's smart. You know, I think you look at these guys now, like they looked at Pat Mahomes last year for the same sort of reason. You know, maybe he becomes available if they decide to keep Alex Smith. Well, they didn't. You know, A.J. McCarron, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, these guys that basically didn't get a chance to start after being there on the rookie contracts, that's kind of what they're doing at this point, I think, with some of these rookies that are coming into the draft this year. Let's see what they're all about when and if they are moved before the end of their rookie contract, and then we get them when Ben leaves. But if they're looking for this year, that indicates to me as much as anything else We're not going to bank on him being here three years, just like all the fans and media doubted that he was going to retire after one year. We just don't know what to believe with him. John Parado next here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. SG, hola, good sir. Hola. Hey, Mark, how you doing? My solution is give me my cake and eat me too. The X at 105.9. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. Thanks for tuning in to 105.9 The X. Four o'clock hour brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. John Parada joins us right now to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates, an opening day that didn't happen. He is the owner-operator of the Parada Report covering Major League Baseball and Pirates Baseball. John, good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing good, Tim. How are you? Well, uh, optimistic. I kind of thought the Pirates would be 0-1 by now. How about you? Well, <laughs> Not yet. We'll have to wait another day. But uh, I was surprised. I was looking for amusement only, of course, at the uh, betting lines, and the Pirates were actually favored today. That says a lot on, on about the, the uh, Detroit Tigers and how bad yes. they could be, does it not? Yes, and Jordan Zimmerman with the 6.08 ERA in two years after signing a $110 million contract. Well, correct I'll... me if I'm wrong on this, John. I believe, if I'm right, if I'm remembering this right, uh, it was, what, 60... Uh... Something like 58 combined homers between those two pitchers last year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was an amazing number. I, I know home runs were up a, 
all around baseball. So you know, that, but between that, he and Nova, he were two of the they, those are two of the yeah, biggest they, defenders of the bunch. Well, they helped. They helped the home run increase for sure. No doubt, they did their part. Helped the major league set a record last year, and they can say they played a hand in it for sure. What do we expect from Nova this year from the Pirates? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I wish I could give you a clear answer, but uh, I, I gotta think he's better than he was in the second half last year. I mean, he was just awful. He went from having a you know had a great April. He was the National League Pitcher of the Month. He had a pretty good May and a pretty good June, and then to the All Star break, he had good numbers. And there was, you know, even some talk that maybe he was an outside candidate to get picked to the All Star game. He didn't get picked, but you know, you could have made a case that he could have been there. And then it all went to hell in a handbasket in the second half. I mean, uh, this was terrible. And you know, and and I know he uh, he got a little heavy as the season went on. He came to camp fifteen pounds lighter, and he's hoping that's going to help. Uh, and I know the Pirates certainly could use him because they have such a young rotation. They need a veteran anchor to, to kind of eat some innings and uh, kind of be the, uh, not that he's a true number one starter by any means, but at least be a leader on that staff. So, you know, it remains to be seen how he does, but i got to think he's better than he was in the second half of last year. If not, the Pirates are in big trouble. John Parada is with us from the Parada Report as we get ready for Pirates baseball. Opening day rained out today in Detroit. They'll try to do it again tomorrow. But on that line of thinking, John, I think now more than ever, or maybe not more than ever, but now more so than the last five years, attendance at the ballpark, be it for opening day or any other day, is going to be, hey, is it a nice day outside, and should we go to PNC Park to have ourselves a nice time? It's going to be less about baseball than it has been the last five years, kind of dating back to before their mini playoff run under Clint Hurdle. It is, and, and you know, with a sure sign that they knew that you know that they're not selling tickets is when the promotional schedule came out and they have like six or seven bobblehead doll nights this year where they'd cut back to one or two when they were good and trying people to come watch baseball. So they've got to go back to the bobblehead deal to get people to the ballpark. Uh, to be honest, there's not a whole lot to really get excited to watch on this team. I mean, there, there's not that star player. There's not any real buzz about this team. And I think people are taking a wait-and-see approach, and I don't blame them. I mean, you know, you traded away two fan favorites in, in the winter, and, and if I were a fan, too, I, I would feel the same way. I would think twice uh, before I, I went ahead and jumped in and uh, spent my money on that product. I'm with you, John. In fact, I made a very similar point yesterday. It, I kind of had to constantly remind myself that opening day was about to take place, and I don't know how to address baseball talking about baseball with this team. Now, I feel like everything you talk about has to be under the tent of sort of the economics and their lack of willingness to spend and why the roster is constructed the way that it is. I mean, how do I sink my teeth into 13 relievers versus or 13 pitchers versus four bench guys? I just I don't feel like the conversation is meaningful because they didn't put a lot of meaning into how they built their own team. No, they really didn't. And, you know, I think back to all those years when they wanted to get a ballpark built. And the only way, you know, they were, they were always saying the only way we can be competitive to have a new ballpark, we need a publicly financed ballpark. Well, they got their ballpark, and they've had three winning teams since they moved in in 2001. And, yeah, that run from 2013 to 15 was a nice little run, but that's it. And, you know, I, I really question, you know, and, 
I just don't understand. You know, they said all these years if they got a ballpark, they would spend, and, and they really haven't spent. They, they, you know, even the years they were really good, they never went out and got that one big piece that could have pushed them over the top, and it's very disappointing. And you know, I just find it hard to believe that uh, knowing the revenue sharing money they get and uh, what and what have you, and also national TV money that they couldn't put a little more money into the product and. Now, uh, there's no sense spending this year. They're not going to be very good, so they would just spend the spend. But, yeah, I, uh, I thought that uh, little three-year run would last a little longer than it did, and it's uh, very disappointing to see them right back to where they used to be in, in this quick a period of time. Yeah, and to underscore that, I think, John, that the one thing you could point to and say that they did this right, the one thing that they did properly from the point that Barry Bonds didn't throw out Sid Bream to 2001 was the construction of the ballpark. I mean, the park is great, and they've always been able to sell the park when they couldn't sell the team, but everybody's seen it by now. You know, I, I don't know if the park is going to be as self-sustaining for the second half of its lease here in Pittsburgh now that the team is as bad as it is. I, I don't think that's going to be the draw that it once was in and of itself anymore, particularly because we got a little bit spoiled actually watching good baseball in it for a couple years. How about you? Well, I agree. That's that's the that's the challenge now for them. When they won, people got accustomed to seeing a good team and seeing seeing how much fun it is to go to the ballpark and hang around in the restaurants and the bars when there's a buzz around the team when they're playing important games when they're thick of a pennant race. And once you have that, it's kind of hard to go back to well, let's just go out and we'll have fun and have a beer and get a bobblehead and watch the game tonight and maybe get a hot dog. You know, and I, and I, you know, and I don't think they quite get that sometimes, the Pirates. Uh, they, the thing that sells tickets more than anything else, Tim, is wins. And then they just, they don't want to do what it takes to win, and it's very disappointing. And I agree, and I think it's going to be very, very interesting come the end of September when they play their final home game on the 23rd to see what that final attendance uh, total is for the year. I think it's going to be a pretty low number. Joining us is John Parado here on 105.9 The X from the Parado Report covering Major League Baseball and the Bucks. Raining in Detroit, so opening day rained out today. Pirates open in Pittsburgh on Monday after the road trip in Detroit. John, what will the win total be, do you think, this year? Best case scenario, hermetically sealed. You know, no major injuries to knock a guy out. What's the best they can possibly do this year, do you think? I think I I peg them at seventy six and eighty six. That's that's what I have. I don't think they're terrible. I don't think they're going to lose a hundred games like, you know, some of the, some of the fans and, and some of the other pundits uh, have suggested. I don't think they're an awful team, but I also don't think they're a good team, and I don't think they're a contending team. And I think seventy six and eighty six. I think maybe if a few things break right, they get the five hundred or, or just a little bit above. But again, that's if a lot of things break right. I just don't see them having much better record than last year when they were seventy five and eighty seven. Right. And I had this conversation earlier in the week and I want to see if you agree with the premise, which is even if things do go well, you know, even if they are five hundred ish uh, right around the trade deadline, you can't expect them to stay at that clip because if they're at 500 and they're not 10 games above and literally in first place or holding a wild card spot, they're going to trade guys. And then that, that subtracts from any opportunity you have to hit that over number. And they really should. I mean, in the way the baseball is today, 
either you need to be contending or you need to be rebuilding because being in that kind of in between 500 isn't getting you anywhere. It's not getting you to the playoffs and it's not getting you a high draft pick. And the way that things are set up right now, if if they're out of the race in July, they should really consider just totally blowing the thing up and uh, you know trade trade as many veteran guys as they can and start over. What's the latest that you see? Josh Harrison on this roster, or Cervelli, as for instances? Well, Harrison, for sure, I don't think will be here past July 31st, unless something totally unexpected happens and they're in contention in July. And even then, I don't know if they'll keep him. Because they have proven in the past, even when they're, in, you know, when they're on the fringe contention, they'll still trade guys that are free agents to be. Cervelli has to stay healthy. If he's on the DL, nobody's going to trade for him. I think if he's healthy, he can help somebody that needs a catcher, but that's always the big question, will he be healthy? So uh, that'll that'll answer that question come July. We'll check the disabled list and see if he's on it or not. But i got to think Harrison is going to get multiple interests uh, from multiple teams because he can play multiple positions and play them fairly well, and he's got a good bat, and he, uh, you know, he has some speed, and he's he's a pretty good player to have on a team, and you know, he's he's not really uh, a superstar player on a on a good team, but you know, he can help just about anybody for the fact that you can plug him in all over the field, and uh, he'll he'll give you some offensive production. Uh, John, I joked about it before, but thirteen pitchers, just four bench guys. Uh... I, this is similar to what we were talking about before with the Penguins. You know, you play seven defensemen. Well, why if two of them aren't very good? Uh, how many of those 13 pitchers that they're bothering to bring north are capable? And wouldn't you have preferred to see Osuna with the club coming up? Yeah, you know, I think he adds a little something offensively, but I also understand why they're doing what they're doing. There's nobody you can truly trust in that bullpen beyond Felipe Rivero, and I know some people say George Contos, but I'll, I'll argue George Contos was put on waivers by the Giants last August, so he's not that far removed from just being waiver wire fodder. I mean, there's nobody else in that bullpen that has a track record and anybody you can trust. Now, I'm not saying some of the younger guys won't turn into pretty good relievers, but right now you can't trust any of them, so that's why they're carrying eight relievers because they just don't know what they're going to get from their bullpen. And with so many young starters, guys that haven't pitched a, a whole lot of innings in a season, Tyone and Musgrove and Cool and Williams, you're not going to expect them to throw 200 innings this year, so somebody's going to have to absorb some of those innings and, you know, I think in a perfect world they would have carried the five guys on the bench, but it's not a perfect world with that bullpen. And I, I know they tried to go outside the organization, tried to make some trades, tried to scan the waiver wire in the last few days of spring training, but nothing came about. And since it's the bullpen they've got, and it, uh, they should be scared by it because I know I am, and I don't have a vested interest in them like they do. Lastly, John, Cole and Kutch, how do, they, how do you think they'll do in their new cities? You know, I think they'll do well. I didn't get a chance to, to go over to the other coast when I was in Florida to see Cole, but, uh, you know, everything you read, everything you hear, he's happy there. I did get to see Andrew McCutcheon when I was in Arizona, and he's, he's really happy there. And I mean, you know, he said all the right things about Pittsburgh, but it was clear. And I think everybody was there for that run of the three winning seasons. Uh, you know, to see them go from that to where they are now in such a quick period of time, I think it uh, – it really hurt a lot of people, uh, their moment, not so much their moment, I should say their morale is the word I'm looking for. You know, I think everyone thought that uh, stretch of good baseball was going to last longer, and I think they're happy. 
to be in places where they have a chance to win again, especially Cole with the team that won the World Series. And, you know, even the Giants uh, should at least have a fighting chance if they can at least tread water until Madison Bumgarner comes back at the beginning of June. So, so you know, they're, they're happy to have a chance to win again. How's it look for tomorrow, weather-wise, real quick, John, before you go? It's supposed to be better. It's cold, but the, the rain is supposed to subside, so... Hopefully they'll get going on on the season uh, tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I, there's no way they could play today. It was just miserable, uh, you know, raining and, and cold, and it just just wouldn't have worked out. And I'm glad for the fan standpoint here in Detroit that they did uh, call it at like nine o'clock, quarter after nine, because uh, at least. Uh, they didn't make everybody come out and uh, sit in the ballpark for three hours in the rain and then call it. So uh, because there was just no way they were going to play. John, before you go, tell people how they can get the Parado report. It's uh, www.theparrotoreport.com. Thanks, John. All the best to you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, that is John Parado, longtime baseball writer, now in charge of the Parado Report. Get all the Pirates information you need there. When we come back on 105.9 The X before the top of the hour, Bob McLaughlin joins me. Uh, there's one kind of, you know, like goofy bracket that I didn't get into that I probably should have gotten into. And uh, I'm having some nostalgia over this. We'll talk about that before the top of the hour. Tim Benz with you. This is 105.9 The X. Nine. In a startling revelation, the Pope says there's no hell. Watching the Penguins PK lately, I disagree. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden, 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Bob, what do you make of this breaking news that's just coming across the wires now? I don't know what to believe. First, that they the said, Pope says there's no hell. First, they said no purgatory, then there is purgatory. Then there's no purgatory again. That I haven't even resolved yet. Now, no hell. All those quizzes I took in eight years of Catholic school, I could have done so much better on those tests. Uh, here's what I'm reading from MSN.com. What about the bad souls? Seemingly going against centuries of core Christian belief, Pope Francis said the souls of sinners simply vanished after death and were not subject to an eternity of punishment. Great. I, I see a breaking report here that just came up that says Vatican. Pope did not say there's no hell. So whoever wrote this false story, this fake news, is going to hell. Is that what they're saying? But if he says it, it's absolutely true. Well, that's what I was going to say. What's yeah. the difference between the Vatican and the Pope? Isn't that like the White House and Trump? Well, the Pope is the word of God on earth. So if he says it, it's, you know, to slang it down a little, it's legit. So the Vatican is the word of the Pope in print, whereas the Pope is the word of God on earth. Is that what you're telling me? Unless there's like one geek in the Vatican, press you know, office that has to edit everything that goes out there. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me get to the let me get to the the money quote here because I think we all just got a big get out of jail free card. I don't know about you, but I consider this to be big news. Quote: They are not punished. Those who repent obtain the forgiveness of God and enter the rank of souls who contemplate Him. But those who do not repent and cannot therefore be forgiven disappear. There is no hell. There is the disappearance of sinful souls. Aha, uh -huh, but the guy who quoted that, uh, some guy named Scalfari, an atheist, according to the Vatican, is known for not using tape recorders or taking good notes during interviews. <laughs> 
so it looks like the Vatican is spinning this one. This shot, though, yeah, but that response sounds to me like, I don't know, Trump's press secretary saying, we don't take Anderson Cooper seriously. That's roughly the same thing. Okay, it was Eugenio Scalfari, 93. <laughs> so he may have gotten the verbiage wrong a little bit. Can we get the Pope on the phone, please? I'd like to clarify this before the sub, the, before the hockey night show. Oh, that media relations guy is tough. Yeah, we're, well, we're trying hard <laughs> enough to get Jeff Capel on the show, let alone the Pope. We'll see how that goes. Um, so, Bob, before this, speaking of going to hell, I noticed that this was sent to me via text. Uh, a friend of mine texted me the 2018 porn star bracket from Barstool Sports. And uh, I had a very painful revelation here. They have broken down the porn stars in the bracket. You know, everybody has their dippy bracket, right? Yeah, you know, Candy bracket, fast food bracket, music bracket, whatever. So this is the porn star bracket from, from Barstool. It's shocking how many people we've had on our show <laughs> that are in this bracket. But what is even more disturbing, not so much that we've interacted with so many of the field of 64. And by the way, don't you just put in five more? That's the play in or the play out. Trevor, Trevor Bauer. <laughs> um, <laughs> the most disturbing part is they're all in the nostalgia MILF category. Oh, no, right really? <laughs> well, what does that say about us? All right, let's see. Eva Angelina. Uh, Eva Angelina, I didn't see on here. Maybe because that she's not participating anymore. She's you know, retired. Have you seen right? her? She is a like a power lifter, like a cross. What? You would not. I thought she went into her. real estate. She did. Didn't work out so well. So now we're powerlifting. She is like a CrossFit powerlifter. I always knew she had the thighs. You would not recognize her. Was um, she, is she Stormy beefy Daniels? Now? Is she beefy? Oh yeah, much bigger. Oh yeah, like unattractive, but, like. Bill no, linebacker. Like you, can, you can when you look at her face, you can. She's actually going by another name. Also, Mark and I. She's not Evangeline anymore. She is, but she's also Nick Tyler, Nick. weightlifter extraordinaire, CrossFit. You know, Bon Vivant. Oh, I'm gonna have to look this up online. All right. Um, now in your bracket, like though, I don't see Stormy Daniels anywhere. Is she here? Oh, she can't. How can how she, she not, not be, be like a one? one seed at this point? <laughs> I see Shyla Styles. Oh, Shyla Styles, the one that broke down on Mark's show. Uh, which time? <laughs> I was confusing it with Stormy. I think like, I don't see Stormy here. Now here's here's the big one, Bob. Here's here's the one that really jumped out at me. Yeah, I guess go ahead and give us the ones. Then. Well, all right, the one sees Regina Jameson, Christy Althaus. Don't know her. Uh, Lena Rhodes, who's in the New Age category. I don't even know what <laughs> New Age means. I think New Age means like you film it on your phone and suddenly you're a porn star. And then Asa Akira's in the exotic category. All right, now <laughs> you got nothing there. Mia Khalifa, Rob Rossi's friend, is oh, an eight seed. Oh God, yeah, the bane of every Penguins fan. Right, precisely. But <laughs> I don't know if she advanced or not. In the exotic category, coming in as a four seed, Priya Rai. Oh. <laughs> Priya Rai, you got to give the backstory on Priya Rai. Yeah, Priya so Rai that- was the one that was in our studio that was so drunk on raspberry. No, sorry, cherry vodka. Vodka, yep. That she drank a bottle of cherry vodka, came in, did the show. I, I don't know how we got it on the air, but you attacked said, an intern. Right, yeah. She, we almost got an intern who works here now. Joe, right? Wasn't it? Isn't it Joe who's the producer of it the was, DV Morning? No, no, different Joe. No, different. All right, different, sorry. This yeah. was Rockstar Joe. Right, exactly. Sorry, different Joe, the intern. But uh, yeah, she she sexually harassed a male intern. We uh, He could have gone hashtag me too. <laughs> And probably still should, but he was too scared. I, to you know do what? Anything. I'm going to cave on that one. If it happens, I'm going to say I'm culpable. I will. I will sign off on whatever they sue me for. That may have been the one and only time we actually had to apologize <laughs> to an intern 
before <laughs> introducing them to an adult star. Like, right. The whole, oh, really? What's she like? Oh, What's she like? I was so excited yeah, exactly. to come in. And then she came in, and she couldn't even speak on the radio. No. She left the, remember? We she almost threw up in the parking lot. She threw up in the parking she lot. She threw up pure cherry vodka in the parking lot. And left a little bit in the bottle, left it in the studio. We almost gave it away the next hour. You sc- you walked out, and the entire hallway smelled like stripper perfume and cherry vodka. That's all it was. And a freight intern. But it's amazing that all the female interns that we have, that probably we couldn't have done the stuff that we did just to have them in the room at the same time. And that's the one <laughs> that probably has the greatest grounds to still file something today. It was a guy. I wonder how he's because doing. Of that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure he can't get the memories out of his head. Well, or it scarred him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the porn star bracket. And I think of the 16 in the Nostalgia MILF category, 13 of them were in our studio. And that means we're old. <laughs> 412-333-9939. In 30 seconds, we come back. The legitimacy or lack thereof of the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting a quarterback. We get into that. And if you missed my soapbox rant about the death of football and why it's don't buy this spin from the national football league about this helmet rule we'll get into that next tim benson for mark madden